thanks again uh, to the uh, sangam park team <clears throat> thanks a lot so the uh, today's topic is the funding uh, mechanism of uh, the christian missionaries so let it put uh, uh, me the things like this that uh, with the change of time the pattern uh, have also changes changed not only of the urban or not only of the naxals not only of the terrorist like uh, the maoist movement it was known for what it was known for plga it was known for underground movements it was known for ambushes it was known for killing the uh, security forces but uh, after 2004 and 2007 when uh, uh, they came up with a uh, uh, this uh, unity congress document and uh, uh, a few of the other organization they merged into the cpi maoist like people war group so they changed their modus operandi so what was the modus operandi say now they are more focused on the urban functioning and if they are more focused on the urban functioning so they are not going to do it, it with ak 47s in the streets so they came up in the disguise of civil societies civil liberties groups so why i am referring to um, naxals because there is a change in modus operandi of all those organizations those who want to bleed india break india so the same is with the um, you can say with this uh, islamic terrorist groups also so in the coming time you will surprisingly see that uh, the cases like uh, um, bomb blasts and killings they will decrease but uh, again what they will do so they will shift on to something like narco jihad narco terrorism so that is one of the most lethal format uh, you can say which has been evolved and that is that, that has more lethal repercussions then the uh, ak47 you can say so the same is with the christian missionaries also they have changed their modus operandi because so many things are there the government is not favorable for them and so many kinds of surveillance and uh, a few acts those who are not suitable for them like we came up with fcra 2020 so it it was not suitable for them and you know that choked their uh, oxygen pipe so the Uh, pipe uh, uh, through which they were getting oxygen so that was choked to a extent so it is a high time that they should come up with you know new modus operandi of funding and new modus operandi of their uh, functioning and at the same time they are bound or they are compelled due to the situation that they should form an alliance with the other groups like christian missionaries they are opposed or uh, to the islamic fundamentalist they they are also making hue and cry about love jihad like the uh, hindu groups they are worried so the christian missionaries groups also they are worried but one side they are being targeted the christian groups are being targeted by islamic fundamentalists through love jihad at the same time they are into alliance also so why they are into alliance to target to deal with the third uh, force means the third threat which is in form of government or which is in form of you can say the nationalist parties or um, you can say the kind of platform which uh, we have evolved this sangam talks so they also want to deal with such platforms also so they they have come up with you know uh, formats so again there is a very famous proverb that uh, the west has four wings of armed forces army air force navy and the fourth is church so uh, this is not a recent uh, proverb which is being used i think if you go down the line so it was uh, birsa munda bhagwan birsa munda who in a very short span of his life he was born in 1875 he, he died in Uh, 1900 he was executed by the uh, you know britishers so he was the first man who was able to visualize this threat the christian missionary threat in a whole soul perspective you can say so he said that topi topi bhai bhai 
means the britishers with guns and the britishers with bible they all are same their motto is same they their motto is to colonize they 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 don't have a different motive so the way is different one come with a bible and one comes with a gun so uh, if you go through the gazetteer of that time the uh, 1880s and and 1890s and uh, between 1900 the area in which birsa munda bhagwan birsa munda was active there was a but a great decline in the conversion activities if you go through the gazetteer so you will be able to understand that bhagwan birsa munda he didn't just pose a challenge to the british imperialism but he was a threat to the conversion missionaries also so the reason behind he was executed because the topi wala with gun was also worried and the topi wala with bible was also worried so from time to time the government uh, they come up with uh, uh, several uh, laws to deal with the the, the fundings of not only christian missionaries but all sort of funding which is being used for the anti national activities one among them is the christian missionaries also so recently we have uh, this um, act in 2020 called fcra 2020 so after fcra 2020 they again changed their modus operandi and the funding uh, system which evolved uh, was visible in the sahinbag protest also in the uh, farmer agitation also to some extent they switched to uh, pocket funding so they are uh, getting funds in different so many different accounts not one centralized accounts through uh, bank transfers and again that is accumulated at one place and that is used for the purpose it is intended uh, for let us come to the uh, christian missionaries and its fundings so in september 2020 the home ministry cancelled licenses of four christian organizations again a lot was written about uh, the right to this the right to that on that so the four organizations were mumbai based one new life fellowship association which is again a christian missionary organization evangelical churches association of manipur in northeast acroso sulis northwestern gosnar evangelical and north evangelical lutheran church both based in the jharkhand state this this the, the six licenses were cancelled in total four were christian missionaries so again the indian agencies they are um, investigating into so many um, other agencies like they are investigating into the seventh day adventist church it is a you know a very famous church having so many branches every i think in each and every part of the country you can uh, see the seventh day adventist church branches and the baptist church also they are also under the scanner and their uh, source of funding and the use of funds the end use of funds are also uh, being uh, investigated so due to the actions uh, taken and the initiatives taken by the indian uh, government so many organizations they ceased their operation fearing the uh, repercussions because they had done so many things uh, under the blanket so 3 years ago you again uh, we can mention that the us based donor called compassion international compassion international is working so many countries uh, they are uh, into the proselytizing uh, funding of proselytizing activities they were forced to stop the indian operations so in 2018 one um, baptist world alliance chief uh, reverend paul mirza he was uh, not given uh, you know visa to attend a conference uh, in garo hills in meghalaya so the indian agencies they are uh, quite uh, damn serious about the activities because conversion is just not limited to uh, converting from one religion to other but it's a conversion of soul it's a conversion of nationality it's a conversion of your commitment to the uh, indian nation and 
there are several cases which has been investigated in especially in the northeast region and uh, several cases which came into light into jharkhand that uh, actually we presume the um, christian missionaries as a holy cow because the front face again is a very you know civilized uh, in a very civilized format they are into uh, hospitals they are into education so i myself have studied in a um, convent missionary so the kind of uh, image we carry so that is a very holy kind of holy cow kind of image so in exact it is totally opposite to that so there were several instances in which the christian missionaries they were connected to uh, naxal outfits the militant outfits they were connected to extortion uh, uh, rackets and uh, they were into getting funds from illegal mining uh, tree felling uh, drug trade also like recently in jharkhand i always mention the pathalgadi thing so in the behind the pathalgadi what they were trying to do that the christian missionaries and the naxalites both were in alliance and they tried to um, cultivate uh, uh, to promote the cultivation of opium farming in jharkhand there was a recent case so 2007 in 2017 uh so many organizations they were banned so uh one case of ayana trust is very interesting and this will help us in how they function in in execution or in uh, um, uh, funding let me be very clear that the organizations those who are not very honest with their intention is not very honest uh, in perspective to india so they are not honest in their functioning also these funds the funding of these christian missionaries is a big big fraud though they are intended to uh, uh, conversion uh, activities so there is a big ghapla there is a big fraud and which has been highlighted from time to time not only in india but across the globe so let me come uh, with the this ayana trust story this ayana charitable trust is a kerala based uh, organization uh, which was banned in 2017 the new name under which us charity gospel for asia is reportedly funding projects in india this ayana trust that emerged on the top list of the indian ngos uh, with the highest foreign funding of around 826 crores so it is one among the prominent three evangelical christian evangelical ngos the two other are believers church uh, india and world vision india but the ayana trust they got the highest you know uh, in 2015 16 so again uh, it is a rebranded version of the gospel of asia the gospel of asia is a texas based ngo again the gospel of asia which is rebranded as ayana charitable trust they came into trouble into canada they had uh, allegations of financial bungling Uh, of uh, around 96 million of uh, us dollars so one person named kp ohana he is a kerlian but he is currently based in texas he is heading this ayana uh, uh, charitable trust so both ayana charitable trust and the believers church they were founded by and managed by the same person which is this uh, uh, kp ohana and he is not in india he is though he is a, a kerelian but he is based in texas so if you uh, combine both this ayana uh, and the believers church those who are a same organization run by the same set of people the funding was more than 1000 crores for just one year and uh, i just mentioned that they are they faced allegations uh, for a fraud of nearly 94 million um, in in um, uh, canada and that fraud which was investigated in canada 
there was a report that this money was used between 2007 and 2017 for in india to purchase huge chunks of land and uh, they they spend money which has been unaccounted for so what do this uh, ayana charitable trust do they again claim that they are working on the dalits in india so you you can again see the format say so they are trying to use the fault lines any case you see that uh, the, these christian missionaries or the next slides what is common between all of them and even now the uh, radical islamist groups they are targeting the fault lines of the indian society backed up with the funding and then they start so many things like agitation and different type of uh, they come up with different type of demands so the case of this uh, ayana uh, charitable trust and uh, this kp ohana is very interesting that uh, it is just not uh, a, a part of the country there is a nexus and there that nexus is like a cobweb if you get into it it is hard to find that which portion which connected is connected to uh, which end across the uh, globe one case uh, let me discuss it uh, it's a very important case related to jharkhand 3 years back when raghubar das bjp was having a government and raghubar das was the cm over there so there was a very famous case of uh, mother teresa's uh, missionaries of charity in 2018 so again when you talk about missionaries of charity you talk about mother teresa mother teresa is a, um, a noble uh, laureate and uh, you uh, she is considered as such a person that you are not entitled to discuss but you are not entitled to discuss anything negative about the missionary of charity because it is related to mother teresa and mother teresa has a you know a, such a towering she, she has such a towering personality and again so what was the case that uh, uh, nearly 450 pregnant women they were admitted to various home shelter homes run by the mother teresa's uh, society the missionaries of uh, charity and in those 450 uh, pregnant women there are records of only 170 childbirths so where did the 280 nearly 300 children where they vanished there was no record of that so the government started investigating into it so it was alleged that these children were sold off so again i am coming to the you know the kind of funding sources so the sale of children that is also one of the funding sources when uh, uh, when it comes to fund they they use such kind of tactics also they are selling children from their missionary organization and uh, if you say in 2018 or uh, today in 2021 oh, that uh, the mother teresa's organization they are into selling of children the christian missionaries they are selling children so people will say oh so you you have a biased mind so the sale of children human trafficking this is not new when it comes to church two journalists named raju rafel and k rajgopal i talked to raju when he came up with his documentary film that in 60s and 70s in germany so many uh, young girls they were sold for 100 pound 150 pounds in 60s and 70s so in 2021 uh, which surprises you is because you don't have that memory you you don't know that those cases that in 60s and 70s several girls they were sold by these christian uh, missionary organizations for uh, 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 a price of 150 uh, pounds 
so raju rafel he he uh, three four years ago he came uh, with a, a very interesting documentary not three four years nearly five six years ago he came up with a very interesting documentary which which describes all these uh, you know sale and purchase uh, uh, in which the priests in, in india the christian priests in india they got uh, 150 50 pounds for each girl now the vatican they accepts that yes there was a sale but at that time when you go through the uh, reports newspaper reports so the vatican they very strongly condemn that no it is a rumor it is a propaganda and no such things have taken place the same is with the child abuse cases also the child abuse is not related to the funding but uh, when you talk about child abuse uh, 10 years uh, uh, before uh, nobody was able to accept that uh, there were severe cases of child abuse in the church but now there are many cases which are being admitted or which have been investigated in the vatican also so let us again come to this foreign funding so let us see the trends in foreign contributions from 1993 to 2011 12 the cases in the last 5 6 years we everybody of us know that Uh, many organizations they are under scanner they have their licenses has been cancelled and uh, many cases has been uh, registered many are being investigated but let us go back to 1993 to 2012 there is a data in which uh, registered associations in 1993 1994 were nearly 15000 uh, in uh, fcra the amount received was 1865 crores so it increased and increased the very next year it was 4535 crores and in 2011 12 it became nearly 12000 crores uh, this is not just related to the christian missionaries but a major portion of this was used by the christian missionaries this is related to the whole and soul whole some figure of uh, Uh, the donations which came to came to india so if you go country wise so the usa that tops the list then after comes germany then uk italy spain netherlands so in 2002 2003 from usa the fund which came into india was 1680 crores germany it was 715 crores UK it was sixty eighty five crores, Italy it was three sixteen crores, Spain it was two fifty crores, and Netherlands it was two sixty two crores. If we come to two thousand ten eleven, the sixteen hundred eighty crores which was in two thousand two three it double nearly doubled it became three thousand two hundred sixty one crore from Germany it became thousand crores again UK nearly thousand crores, Italy four five hundred crores, Spain. 350 crores and netherlands it is around 469 crores so why these funds are coming do the countries those who are sending funds to india they have surplus funds or the issues in which they uh, say that they are investing into are those issues not uh, uh, in their countries so why do they uh, do that so again uh, there is not a very uh, you know pious intention the intention is uh, known to all that uh, why why such uh, uh, donations are coming each and every piece of donation you can say which is coming from outside they have a intention they came up with a agenda and majority of those donations their their intentions are not very good their intentions are not very pious for example the top 15 donor world vision international usa remitted nearly 706 crores in 2008 9 but did not make it to the top donors so corresponding receipts for the world vision india tamil nadu was 192 crores and 230 crores respectively in 2010 11 so let us see what uh, the, the organization those who are topping the list 
of uh, in in relation to the uh, taking donations in india compassion international usa this is a data of uh, um, 2008 to 2010 11 hcl holdings private limited so if you see hcl holdings it seems like uh, you know they are a uh, um, some uh, software uh, um uh, business type of organization but when you see the compassion international usa it is very clear that who is taking the donation and for what purpose they are getting it population service international bill and melinda gates uh, foundation kindler not hif it is from germany and uh, what and tall mission save the children leprosy mission general conference of seventh day adventists international development usa christian foundation for children and aging oxfam sos uh, o so children uh, christian children fund action aid gospel for asia world vision international so again if you see the organizations those who are topping the list uh in related to getting funds from outside most of them 80% of them are christian uh, um, missionaries someone came up with a very interesting uh, kind of logic that you know that uh, the britishers they ruled the country for uh, so many years so they have a sense of guilt so due to that sense of guilt you know they are um into this uh, charity things into india again so it is a unending uh, if you uh, come uh, if you discuss the data it is a unending reservoir it is it is you can say it is a um unending uh, data which we can uh, discuss for uh, hours and hours but again the element the thing is why i say that it is a fraud because these organizations they are the organizations in india the uh, they were getting thousand and thousand of crores in each and every state but if you see the output in in uh, uh, relations to the amount of uh, conversion that is very minimal so where do this money go that is a fraud that that is a ghapla that you can say that is a scam inside their ecosystem that they are sending funds uh, for something else and these funds a majority of these funds are being utilized for something else again if you come to the uh, this proselytizing, uh, proselytizing activity so most of their actions they are uh, described or they are in, into like uh, propaganda so uh, um, uh, doing seminars uh, connecting to people uh, publishing uh, posters uh, pamphlets wall writings so getting uh, um, this hand pumps uh, or wells kuwas uh, um, into into the those states so most of the money which they say that we are uh, you know making expenditure that is unaccounted so it is not like that if 100 rupees coming only you can say 5 or 10 rupees they are being that is being used for uh, these activities the uh, proselytization activities maximum of these funds are used by the officials of the christian missionaries in india what is the net output so there are relations for us there are relations for the christian missionaries also they are interested in india they are interested uh, in so many countries uh, which do not have uh, that amount of uh, christian population they want to convert them but surprisingly you can say that the christian missionaries or the christians or the church they are paying for their sins when you look at their country of origin what is the actual uh, situation or the actual status 
of the Christian uh, religion in their country. So there was a very interesting uh, report. It was uh, done by one uh, Stephen Wollivant, a professor of theology and sociology of religion at St. Mary University in London. So the data were taken from the European Social Survey, 2014 and 16. So the data, they are very, you know, surprising. And uh, I think they are very disappointing for the Christian missionaries, those who are pumping money and those who are pumping, uh, taking efforts into the non-Christian world. So there are figures, I'm, I'm just putting the figures. So, how 16 to 29 years old self-identify themselves? One is no religion, two is Christian, and three is non-Christian religion. So, in UK, nearly 75% of the population between 16 to 29, they consider themselves has no religion. They don't find affiliation with Christianity. The only thing is Christian in their personality is they have been baptized once, but they never go to the church. They don't have interest in the Christianity. And the same data is with Chase Republic. The Chase Republic data is very astonishing that nearly 90% of the people, they don't believe in Christianity. Netherlands, again, 75%. The, the least the data where uh, this thing is very less is Poland, that nearly 20% uh, they are not interested in, um, you know, uh, Christianity. So the same is with Russia, Switzerland, Germany. Germany, which is pumping funds into India for proselytizing activities, nearly 50% of the people they don't believe in any religion. Of the Christians, they don't believe in any religion. UK, which is pumping funds into India, uh, nearly 75%, they don't believe in any religion. So this 16 to 29 years age group, which was in 2014-16, so now they would have been uh, uh, 40 to uh, 33. So after 20-30 years, there will be a majority of population in all ages those who don't affiliate from Christianity and those who don't have any interest in Christianity. So again, uh, the this trajectory was likely to become more marked. Christianity as a default, as a norm is gone. And uh, in the last, at least in the hundred years, in the coming hundred years, in the Christian majority countries, the scene will be very different. And again, uh, there is a rise of Muslim population in uh, many uh, European countries. Their fertility rate is also high. The birth rate is also high among them. Many Christians, they are getting into uh, Islam because once the this this mind is uh, empty so you need something into that so islamists are there those who are very aggressive you know in uh, again uh, in in converting so they have got an opportunity but this empty mind the non affiliation of these young minds uh, with christianity Islam or any other religion is not an option. For that empty mind, or we can say that uh, the, those minds have a quest and uh, that quest or those questions can be answered by us. So again, we have an opportunity as a Sanatan Parampara, as a uh, you know you, you can say the uh, as as a culture we have an opportunity to fill that gap to fill that emptiness and 
it is not uh, the, the that vacuum is not uh, you know very limited that is going to increase because the young minds in all the religion they are they want answers and sanatan parampara the you can say the most beautiful part of this is that it is a q and a kind of a thing you can ask questions you can ask questions to anyone you can reject anyone you can reject your gods also then also can you can remain a sanatani you can fight with your gods so this quest this this these unanswered questions due to which a majority population of the world the christian population they are de affiliating themselves with christianity we can uh, we have a opportunity over there and thank you i think this is all what i had to say on this topic today namaste amine singh ji thank you very much namaste yes thank you very much bahut hi acha tha very very good uh, data and points जो आपने बताया kind of things and the christian how much of this money has actually gone to only christian organizations do you have any information on that one and secondly do you feel we can totally ensure that no christian converting organization gets any funding do you feel we have the laws which will allow us to clamp down on that permanently so there are nearly 1000 of organizations which uh, where they are which are still active uh, in getting foreign funds but if you want to know that how much of them are christian missionaries you just see the top 10 list 1 to 10 so if you see the top 10 list in 90s there were nearly 8 to 80% to 90% of the organizations were christian missionaries now you can say uh, nearly uh, that has that data has declined but uh, today also nearly 50% of them are christian missionaries and uh, something which surprised us in punjab in the recent uh, due to this recent political turmoil that to what extent in punjab so whenever we talked about about christian proselytization we talked about north east we talked about jharkhand but what has what has happened to punjab we have we are witnessing for the first time so so kam hua hai aur dheere dheere i think it must be zero why a single penny also come a single rupees also come or a single dollar should come for such activities with with bad intentions so many countries those countries they come up with set of laws you know they come up with set of amendments uh, like if you talk about the foreign funding so the um, problem is similar with if you compare india with russia so there was a problem in russia also that foreign forces they were trying to destabilize the country and that was done done through foreign funding so they were having a law like we have fcra they were having also a set of law so in 2015 they amended that law they renamed that law and they renamed it like they renamed it that undesirable organizations act so they were so blunt in uh, naming the that act that you are undesirable we don't desire it and the organizations that that that, that shut down their operations 
uh, you will be surprised to know the names. The organizations who shut down their operations after 2015, after that, this undesirable uh, organizations law was implemented. That was Oxfam, that was uh, Carnegie International, that was Open Society Foundation. So all the Amnesty International, nearly all that set of organizations, those who are creating problems here, they were banned over there. So again, if you talk about India, we were having a FCRA. But in 2020, we came up with a newer version of FCRA. After that, I and that is not ultimate. After the FCRA 2020, they came up with new models of funding. Pocket funding is one of them. So it is a regular process. So we came up with a law, they come, came up with a different modus of rendering. And again, down the line, we will have to amend that. We will have to add some more provisions. So this is a continuous process. Yes. Uh, thank you for all the uh, valuable information that you have given us. Uh, I have no questions about the information. I have only questions about the interpretation of what you have given. So the first thing is that uh, uh, many organizations project this at a, as a nationalistic issue. My point is that first of all, the missionary apparatus itself is completely, almost completely brown. There are hardly any Europeans working in it per se. I mean, most of them are people like us. And uh, secondly, uh, you know, if all of India were to become Christian, then, you know, there is no question of secession or any other anti-national problem. Right. And thirdly, uh, conversion is an act of piety because you do not want your neighbor to go to hell. This is genuinely an act of mercy as far as they are concerned. Okay. Uh, yes, incidentally, you know, they may get some economic benefit and so on. But uh, I think it takes a lot of uh, uh, commitment from the from for a person to part with so many uh, such huge sums of money to uh, merely change somebody's uh, religious label. Okay. So I think nationalism is a sort of misstatement, as Conrad Els just said, of our real concerns, which is actually the preservation of our indigenous civilization. So again, if you take it as a cultural issue or a security of internal security, the both are same. I think both, both issues are there. You can interpret it in both the ways, but it's a threat. It's a threat to the culture. It's a threat to national sovereignty. And again, uh, uh, to understand why why this uh, proselytizing activities, uh, other aspect of that, we must always look at the charter of England of 1813. So previously, the East India Company, they were not uh, supposed to aid or supposed to help the Christian missionaries in their proselytizing activities. So it was 1813, they signed a charter, the East India companies and the missionaries, that the East India company is duty bound. And that was again uh, uh, under pressure uh, from uh, the Queen of England, that the East India company is duty bound to help by all ways and means to these Christian missionaries in their proselytizing activities. So it is a proxy warfare. And not just today, in 1813 also, it was like that. The British has used the, uh, that as a tool. And now also, the intention of that is the same what was the intention of the Charter of England, um, the uh, Charter Act 1813. Yeah, uh, just to add to that uh, Charter Act, the fact is that even though uh, many uh, missionaries wanted to carry out conversion work and proselytizing in India, it was actually the East India Company that put a complete lid on it. And they, there is a lot of record of missionaries complaining to the British crown, saying that these people are not allowing us because the East India Company wanted a peaceful place where there are no religious rights and where they could carry out their business and extract as much money as possible. So that is the irony. Uh, now, my question is, uh, the, the other point that you said was that uh, Sanatana Dharma can fill the void, right? Now, my question is, our own organizations, because of the lack of autonomy, are hamstrung. There is this Article 30, which grants all minorities the right to manage their educational institutions and religious institutions and so on. But that right is, uh, by default, denied to the majority. And uh, this is a matter of merely amending that uh, law 
amending that article in the constitution to extend to all groups whether majority or minority doesn't shouldn't matter in a democratic setup uh, strangely enough this government has been in power now seven years and yet uh, this has appeared in the bjp manifesto also you know in earlier editions that they would amend article 13 to include all groups not just minorities but this is not going anywhere at all this is probably the easiest law to bring in and uh, it's just stopped do you have any reason idea why i think so many uh, you know uh, things were there in the manifesto and a lot have been uh, addressed also the the issues like uh, ayodhya the issues like 370 and the triple talaq and all and uh, in the due course i think i am very hopeful like you that in the due course these issues also you see that these minorities they they are the most privileged lot in this country and then also they are always crying to be like a, they are prosecuted lot in in india so i hope i wish that uh, very soon uh, this this uh, thing is also going to be taken up uh, that is in the uh, bjp's manifesto and definitely i think they they will address it uh, soon i don't find i don't find any reason that why they are not addressing it and i don't doubt the intention also they will address it i think it's a matter of time when they are taking up that matter uh, two questions one is english as a language is a fantastic medium for them to use english gives you access to the world and to the bodies of knowledge that otherwise are denied to you so english is one of their uh, very very helpful mediums because through that you it's easier number two the, the you know, we are discussing the direct ways of the activity being carried on what about the indirect media the indirect indoctrination of the mind which slowly veers you away because if in a metropolitan city in india if you talk to any youngster he will vehemently oppose you i mean he is on that so called quote unquote liberal uh, network and that is brought about by the media by memes by iconic models by aspirational models by writings so how do we counter that two things the indoctrination is only possible when you train the masses in a certain way like uh, for an example i am telling you that uh, in the uh, farmer uh, protest you can have heard you know echoes of the khalistan referendum 2020 the khalistan referendum so the new generation they think that okay there is a lot of six those who want a separate state and the history is uh, nearly 2 3 decades uh, old uh, it is starts from uh, 80s and for then uh, the 84 riots, the uh, Swarna Mandir uh, intervention of Indra Gandhi into the Swarna Mandir. So when I tell training, training the masses, so you need to tell them the exact genesis of why the six, a uh, 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 lot of six, they want to de-affiliate themselves with Hindu Hinduism. So again, the story is a very simple story is that after 1857, the Britishers, they reviewed their policy that what went wrong. And then they came up with certain set of uh, uh, things. Uh, and the gadgeteer was uh, um, uh, one of the things what they did. They want to understand the diversity and the thought process of the different sections of the society. For example, if you take the six, so there was one Mr. Martha, Arthur Matcliffe. So he was ICS. So he came into Punjab as an ICS in 60s. So he converted into Sikhism and he translated the Guru Bani into English. So he became a hero that he is a Britisher and he translated the Guru Bani into English. 
and by his inspiration his very dearest friend kahan singh nabha he wrote a book that six are not hindus and what he did in the translation that it was not a simple translation he injected his idea and he told the sikh community that uh, uh, guru nanak dev ji he has told once that britishers will come and britishers will they will make alliance with the sikhs and they will rule the world so he polluted he tried to put his words into sikhism and what he uh, tried doing in 1860s that is taking shape or you can say that is uh, being you can see that as a set narrative that a, a, a big population they don't want to call themselves hindus and that was uh, again the that was again after 1857 the britishers they started working on the fault lines of the indian society so indoctrination is not just about being christianized indoctrination is about being deaffiliating yourself from hinduism like dalits they say that we are not hindus tribals they say that we are not hindus six they are saying that we are not hindus so this is also a format of indoctrination and all these formats all what you see today they have a history and the history is not 2 3 decades back it is nearly 150 years back they started working on these issues 100 one and half centuries back and you can see the results now so what they are doing today you can see we will be the this country will be able to see the results 200 years later on so that is a continuous process that indoctrination is a continuous process that comes into different formats the only way out that we need to train the masses and we can train the masses by storytelling by by telling them stories about this uh, why six are not hindus this narrative is uh, being uh, is taking shape why dalits uh, are not hindus and why tribals are not hindus where these ideas came from and what was their genesis and what uh, how uh, the journey was so we need to train uh, the masses and we can train them only by storytelling yeah uh, a couple of questions one is that uh, that uh, is, is there a study regarding how these churches are changing over time i have been uh, i came to us in 1966 i have continuous experience with baptist church as well as seventh day adventist you see oh, now more than 50 years okay and i have noted massive changes Uh, okay uh, okay is there a study like that i mean you have said about what they have been doing in india and i have been reading a lot but i think the whole movement is changing in the sense that what i have written in writing in india i think it is becoming organic that indians themselves they are converting for their own benefit okay rather than Uh, other way round because here I I I have come across a lot of activities. You you mentioned earlier uh, regarding girls. I here actually met a girl about twenty three twenty four years old in in YMCA who felt very sorry and she talked to me how she can go back to Nagpur. Uh, okay, where she came from and this and that. okay so is there a study like that that is my question uh, sir i have not uh, gone through any uh, you know very specific kind of a study like that that the change of pattern uh, into the uh, in in, in co- connection to the churches but uh, if you go through the investigation of bhima korega in which there was a plan to assassinate the prime minister of india so you will find a alliance for example i am telling you uh father stan swami he was a christian priest 
he was a christian priest rona wilson he was a comrade he was a maoist but urban you can say he was studying in uh, uh, he, he was a genuine so when they uh, there was a intel there was a letter from the mha that was sent to the government of to the dgp jharkhand so that letter was regarding that the christian missionary the, the pfi the popular front of india that is a islamic organization extremist islamic organization so the pfi that was trying to build bridge no sorry there were set of persons two persons i remember the name on basanta kumari uh, daughter of gn sai baba and one anjini kumar mal they were trying to build bridges between the pfi popular front of india which is islamic organization the cpi maoist and the christian missionaries so leave that later six months later on there were reports that a general secretary of the popular front of india he participated into a meeting of the cpi maoist so again this jewist priest stan swami he was a prominent member in all these activities so there is a alliance and you can say that this is also a change of format that they are not acting matlab uh, solely they are acting with a different kind of organization or with organizations with whom they are into conflict what you are saying is 100% accurate my point is entirely different you see if you have to solve a problem you have to take it to a, a, a appropriate level you see it is a three dimensional problem not a single dimensional but by that what i mean is that let us say if you talk about crime there are little thieves and there are big thieves how do they work what you are saying is absolutely correct but like what is happening right now in uh, um, aryan khan case for example there is a huge, huge network he uh, so so what you said about children you you said something that the the solution to the problem is uh, okay let us say education or or uh, uh, okay communication what is happening to to raise the masses yeah that is one way but bigger is you have to go to the source what is happening and these systems they keep on changing just like life keeps changing and that is what i was implying primarily problem is within uh, yeah or you can stop funding but then uh, uh, the funding is not the only thing you you have not, it, it is a lively virus you see what i notice is that in most of the lectures people are always blaming others british did this british did that oh british did that okay as far as i'm concerned uh, uh, whatever they did was to serve their purpose it it is like a uh, okay free capital okay capitalism you are in business and your sole objective is to make money you, you are making at somebody else's cost what is fair what is not one can keep on talking forever so here uh, uh, i actually know so seven the adventist as i said i have 50 years experience actually uh, okay the uh, I, i have known personally their children have gone to india to study cultures and i knew why they have gone there it is systematic so what i'm saying the problem is huge but it has to be understood yes ji is telling that is not a question that is an answer in fact <laughs> Uh, yes uh, we uh, attract the world as an ideology as a sanatan parampara when we say we attract the world and that is what i why you say that for those empty minds the that empty mind is a question and the answer is us because we are a q and a based uh, we have a q and a based system we can question our gods we can question anybody and despite all that we can remain uh, a sanatan uh, uh, we can remain a sanatani 
so what i say that the majority of the religions they there is no scope of any question there is no scope of any moderation there is no scope of any interpretation or analysis if there is written that the earth is flat it is flat no science can prove it that the earth is flat that the earth is not flat we can question we have question and we will question that is us that is we and 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 i think that is the answer to those empty minds ek mera question hai ki i had spoken to somebody in punjab a hindu in punjab and i had asked him that you know what is this whole menace in punjab so what he said was really shocking for me to hear it he said that ye basically mazhabi sikhs ko target kar rahe hain which come from the scst kind of things and uh, the upper class and the upper uh, sikhs are more uh, affiliated with the khalistani so um, the christians are not posing any threat or harm to the hindus so we are uh, uh, keeping it neutral and in fact the christian conversions will act as a buffer between the khalistanis and the hindus so once this christians can even get out the khalistanis from punjab if they become into a majority so aisa logic jab maine suna so they say hindus here want to remain neutral aap dekhoge ki koi nobody is coming out to speak openly about the punjab conversions except the jathedars and the people from sg uh, ca or something so um, aur yahi situation mujhe kerala mein bhi i got to uh, when i spoke to somebody they said we want to join hands with the christians and we want to kick out islam so we want to keep it neutral with christianity and we want to so ye bahut ajeeb aur gareeb i mean uh, i don't understand this logic what do you have to say? look uh, uh, we want to join hands and we want to kick out extremist islamist ye theory isliye fail ho jati hai kyunki if you see the bhima koregaon chasit if you see the ca protest if you see the farmer agitation there is a alliance between christian missionaries and the extremist islamist there is a agreement of a common minimum program between them so it is ye to theory fail hoti hai ki they are against them they are against them because they are targeted by each other but at this point they have a common minimum program aur usko wo execute kar rahe hain us pe kaam kar rahe hain dusra this is a good you know excuse lekin what the point is that why you convert you are a dalit and why you are you, you are converting into christian because somebody comes to you and he says that look there is uh, uh, this 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 uh, things in hinduism and uh, uh, there are differences there is caste barrier and you come to my religion and here we don't have those caste barriers we uh, treat everyone equally so what they do that is not organic somebody comes and convince them so that is ki a set of organization they are using the fault line of the indian society to convert them the same the islamist are doing why do are they able to uh, make a, a extremist or they are able to convert a normal muslim boy into a terrorist because they say that look you are a muslim and this indian state is against you this that and so you must wage a war against that so again those islamist are also using or misusing that fault line so anything any it is conversion activities or it is manufacturing a terrorist if the fault line of the indian society is issues that means the intentions are not good you can come up with pretty good excuses with fancy excuses but it may sound you know logical for the time being or for in the given time frame but in the longer uh, run it is disastrous it will de affiliate those lot those who are converting with the indian state yes thank you danya uh, binay ji namaste thank you so namaste. much for an you know amazing session uh, you know you could hear all thoughts so i'll keep my question very crisp uh, one we see a lot of studies with regard to christian missionaries especially when it comes to funding i don't recall within my limited knowledge any major revelation for the uh, muslim uh, missionaries uh, because they also proselytize that's one if you could just um, highlight uh, anything in the uh, in your knowledge and uh, number two 
uh, a lot of people say that this bill only, which means the illegal and legal funding for unnecessary conversion will only be curbed if we change the constitution. But do you think that just by changing the interpretation of the constitution, if we just say that you as a religion have the right to practice, but not proselytize, you, you cannot convert, do you think that is doable or do you think that's just wishful thinking? Thank you. No, uh, I think that is doable. But again, that's not uh, uh, limited that we can make one amendment and we can get one bill passed on that and that will stop. That is a continuous process. To stop the funding, that is a continuous process. To uh, uh, stop the uh, conversion activities, the proselytizing activities, that is a continuous process. To deal with the uh, extremist Islamists, that is also a continuous process. So, not as never it it is never that a set of law. If, if you come up with the law, and we are uh, uh, we can stop this with a stroke of a, a pen, it is not possible. In fact, Vinayji, I remember Northeast's example. There's banned missionaries and there's an anti-conversion law there also. But still, the missionaries are functioning full bloom there. So uh, it is a very internal and a very uh, you know uh, kind of a spider's web. English language ko ye jo medium use karte hain, kya ye, is this a leveraging point for them to get into because everybody wants to learn English. So ye jo missionaries, they use the English language to educate in convent schools. What role they play? As far as English is concerned, that was a tool for colonizing the Indian minds that was used by the Britishers or lambe samay tak raha. Lekin English puri dunia ke liye that has become a compulsion. So English say they were able to colonize your mind. So aaj ek English janne ke chalte you have an opportunity to know more and more about them. Kyunki the sins of the Christianity, the sins of the Western world that is not written into other languages. That is also available in English. So it is a it has harmed us also. It is harming them also. We can use the uh, knowledge of English to our benefit also. I just wanted to tell you that a private member's bill introduced in 2016 by Dr. Satepal Malik, huh, who is a member of the BJP, precisely addresses the Article 30 problem and nobody has hmm. taken it up. Do you know why? No, Ramakrishna ji. I haven't studied what was the reason. But again, I don't doubt the intention. Because Ram Mandir is not a big issue. This is Article 30. So it will go someday. And we must have faith. Because the issues, those who were into the BJP's manifesto, most of them issues, the issues have been addressed. The issues were pending not, not just for 10 or 20 years. Some of the issues were pending for 500 years. So those issues have been addressed. So the issues like Article 30 will also be addressed. Thank Let's you. have faith in our Prime Minister. Let's have faith in our government.